Sounds Familiar, a podcast where we discuss two pieces of media that share themes, plot points, or overarching ideas. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our upload schedule, news, and discussions. Take your seat, grab your popcorn, and silence your cell phones now. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to Sounds Familiar. My name's Caleb, and you don't want no part of this shit. My name's Stephanie, and I'm just so glad you learned to play the guitar so good, even without having a sense of smell. My name's Justin, and you can take the children, but you leave me my monkey! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All our quotes were from the same one tonight, of course. Uh, What was I gonna quote from Walk walk the Line? (laughs) You can't walk no line! (laughs) Uh, no, that's not good. No There's nothing there. You could have went with when I was just a baby, when I was just a train. <laughs> Mom, always be a good boy. Don't ever be a gun. <laughs> Thank you, Neil C. Uh, well, tonight we're talking about walking. Uh, walking. Hard lines. Uh, walking hard or hardly walking. Oh, hey! Okay. Uh, Hey! <laughs> Stephanie, when did you become my grandpa? I want a divorce. Whoa. <laughs> uh, yep, so... Hmm. We're discussing... <laughs> m- music, biopics, and parodies thereof. Yeah, let's put it I that way. Walk the Line, hmm. which is... Oscar bait as hard as anything could be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story... Which may be the best parody I have ever seen. It's yes. fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> Way better than it has any just... right to be. <laughs> right. It is, I, I saw this movie for the first time last year, and I had... I, I don't like a lot of American comedies, alright? This was... It's way better than it has any right to be. And it directly parodies many scenes of Walk the Line... And then yes. the, a lot of it is just parodying the bio, music biopic genre right. as a whole. Wrong yeah, kid once it got died. into the later. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Over I saw walk. I saw walk hard months before I saw walk the line, and I cannot recommend that to anyone <laughs> because, because like the first thirty minutes of the movie is exactly the same, just without the humor. And yeah, you, the, it's like beat for beat. The, the a lot of the actors they got look the same. Like the guy they got to play Dewey Cox's dad. Oh my god, it, is exactly the same guy. Or he gets typecast in the exact yeah. same kind of roles as uh, Johnny Cash's dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I kept like when I was watching Walk the Line after having watched Walk Hard, I kept staring at that guy. Like, is that is that the same guy? And of course, it's not. But they look. It so might as well similar. be. I know. <laughs> okay. Um, what's funny, though, is how, um, just related to, like, the casting of the parents, like, the mom in Walk the Line, like, so, she looks so much like the same age, just in, like, a bad wig, like, the entire movie, like, yeah, uh, (laughs) which seems like something that would happen in Walk Hard, like, (laughs) because the mom is clearly, like, a 30-something-year-old woman, and then, like, (laughs) at the end, she's playing, like, the mom of someone who's that age so it 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 seemed kind of like a similar thing to what Walkhard was parodying when when you know he's 
14 and he's played by that, John C. Riley. <laughs> that, not to talk too much about Walk Hard before we even have walked the line right. of chance. But it's impossible that not was to the mo- <laughs> Watching Walk Hard first, the scene when there's a time skip and it's just adult John C. Riley playing a 14-year-old, that's a funny joke on its own. <laughs> but knowing in context that Walk the Line was trying to pass off Joaquin Phoenix as a 20-year-old. 20 years old. <laughs> I was like, no, this man is 30 is on it? a good day. Right, this isn't just a joke. Someone actually watched Walk the Line and was like, holy crap, they thought they could get away with this. We are going to roast them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, enough sucking Walk, walk Hard's dick. Um... <laughs> We we need to discuss Walk the Line. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. A movie which I had not seen before yesterday and therefore have very little, ex- absolutely no experience with prior to yesterday. No, I saw like the first 20 minutes of it on a bus one time and was like, ooh, it's kind of messed up that that kid died, and that was the extent of it. So. Walk the Line does feel like the kind of movie you'd see on a Greyhound bus. Yes. Yeah. I can't. Right, Justin? Like, <laughs> no, you're at. Yeah, not wrong. Not wrong. Uh, I grew up in Southport, Florida. So I saw this movie as soon as it came out. <laughs> oh, buddy. Uh, <laughs> what, did Rednecks, like, love this or something? Not in, not in, uh, not in theaters, but uh, my uh, mom rented. The DVD that you could still rent DVDs at this time. It was 2005. Huh. Uh, That's true. It was 2005. And Walk Hard came out only two years later. So mm-hmm. they had to oh, have started writing it, it immediately yeah. after seeing it. Uh, <laughs> so funny. And then I've, I've seen it a few times, like bits and pieces as it's on TV. Uh, and once again, my mom or dad would be watching it. Um, and so I watched it this time. And my feelings were pretty much like, oh, okay, yeah, like the performances are okay felt nothing towards it now i watched it and i was like oh this is boring this is real boring yeah and <laughs> okay is exactly how i would put it if we want to just get right into it mm-hmm. well what's interesting is so i was reading the letterboxd reviews and it seems like people are kind of divided on it because there's actually apparently a lot of people who feel really positively about this movie like really enjoy it really i don't know really like joaquin phoenix's performance um i don't know and it's weird because like pretty much the only aspect of the movie that i cared about was the fact that i like johnny cash's music Mm -hmm. like (laughs) that was it (laughs) so let me let me go ahead i i I was wondering where i was gonna put this because i i'm i have a lot negative to say about this movie um and and it's not really the acting like the actor's fault it's just that i find the movie very uh self-indulgent and slow but that has nothing to do with my opinions of Johnny Cash um, or a lot of the music in the movie, uh, really. Um, I yeah, the music wasn't bad. I'm a I'm a fan. It's in my blood. I'm a fan of this era of music. Uh, and yes, I yeah. know there's a lot of problematic aspects with Elvis and the outlaw country scene in general. But Johnny Cash. Oh, I don't even know. Of it. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Cash actually very cool. Did some great work uh, to advocate for Native Americans. So, anything oh, yeah, bad we say that. about this, it's not on you, Johnny. I love you. <laughs> yeah, it, well, and that's the thing. It, like, it doesn't even really feel like a story about a real person that existed. I guess, I, I don't know. It doesn't feel super grounded, mm. which is funny because Walk Hard so much parodied, like, the whole, like, 
oh, everything has to be related back to, like, what was going on in the world and the music industry in the, at the time, whereas this doesn't feel very related to that at all, almost. Right. Like, that's that's part of the aspect of Walk Hard that's just lampooning the music biopic genre mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. Um, not specific to Walk the Line. Because um, Walk the Line doesn't really seem to touch on that that much. No, it doesn't at all. Um, so, that being said, let's discuss Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> My thoughts yeah. on the matter are... So this movie was directed by James Mangold. God bless him. Yeah, yeah. But... Good director. I... Okay, I don't know enough about Johnny Cash as a person to say whether or not this performance is accurate. But it feels to me like James Mangold forgot a very important factor when you cast Joaquin Phoenix in a movie. <laughs> the vibes. <laughs> All right? <They're laughs> the man is terrifying. He is terrifying. There are just one man's opinion, but there are far too many scenes in this movie where he looks like he wants to murder I know. June Carter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he looks like he wants to murder half the people he looks at. Just at any given moment when he is staring at someone, he looks like he wants to murder them. <laughs> I, it's, I, yeah, I think, I think that this role and the kind of like character that this is needed a much more likable presence because um that's yes because at no point in this movie did i like him or root for him oh yeah like he he's just a total dick and not just a dick but like kind of scary like he seems like he might he might just kill someone yeah every single scene (laughs) it feels like up until like the last five minutes it feels like he says the most dickish thing possible in the moment Mm mm-hmm no, without exception. It, so when he's like in the middle of the movie, when he is at his worst and he's like stumbling around on stage and everything, it's like, man, Joaquin Phoenix is acting the hell out of this. But I don't believe him when he gets to be happy <laughs> at any yeah. point. In the movie. Oh, my God. Some of the parts in the movie, he would like very rarely does this happen, but occasionally like he would make a joke or laugh about something. And I was scared shitless. Like yeah. whenever he would do that, I was like, yeah. this is the Joker. Like, <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> Like, he would get this smile, and it was so, like, toothy, and, and like, his, his brows would just narrow, and I was like, what? what? No. Yeah, no, when, <laughs> when you know, the Joaquin Phoenix was first cast as the Joker, I was a little, you know, we were all a little skeptical, but, I mean, we well, were willing to give him the benefit of the Joker. doubt because he's Joaquin Phoenix, but watching this performance, I'm like, oh, I totally get it. Yeah. I still don't think he should be Joker, but uh, I, 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 I feel like that wasn't all right. He casting. should be someone else unsettling. I, it, I, it's. I can see why I looking know. at watching this would make you go, this this guy should be the Joker, baby. <laughs> so, I my opinions of Joaquin Phoenix, like, I, I net uh, like him. I think he's very good. I'm wondering if, I haven't read Johnny Cash's autobiographies, um, and I'm never going to, uh, but <laughs> this film is based on two autobiographies of Johnny Cash, which makes me wonder, how hard is Johnny Cash on himself in those biographies? I know, jeez. You, aren't autobiographies usually kind of self-congratulatory? <laughs> if these were based on autobiographies, this <laughs> must have been pretty self-deprecating. <laughs> I mean, that checks um, out. Have you heard the man's music? <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. That's um, yeah. It well, 
And I should add that it's not that I think Joaquin Phoenix's performance is bad. I feel similarly about him in this role to how I feel about Gary Oldman in Dracula, which is that I think they are turning in a great performance that doesn't suit the character or that doesn't really gel with the movie. Um, So I I don't know. Like, it's like I clearly think they're good actors and they are acting well. It's just I don't know how well it works for the movie. Um, No, that's fair. I don't know. I, yeah, no, I agree. It's 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 just strange having a movie in which you do. I did not like the protagonist or root for them at any point in time because they were just constantly such a creepy douchebag. <laughs> and I, maybe this movie was just relying too hard on the fact that it's about Johnny Cash. Oh, absolutely. People absolutely. love Johnny Cash. Yes. That's yeah. But as someone who has no feelings about Johnny Cash beyond, yeah, I enjoy his music. Like, I, <laughs> they probably leaned a little too hard on that, is my thought. Well, I think that, what, go ahead, Justin. I was just going to say that there's a reason uh, that this movie was huge when it first came out, and now no one really talks about it. And it's, hmm. that, well, that has to be the reason. Was it really big I when mean, it Johnny came Cash out? Johnny Cash had just died, like, oh. two, like the year before. I was going to say, that like, was a little years, before I, I was really aware of movies, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't really aware of, like, the cultural hype around it. I mean, I wasn't really, like, reading uh, film discourse on the internet uh, yet, but uh, (laughs) I remember it being talked about on TV all the time, and like I said, people that I was surrounded with uh, loved this when it came out. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that, I mean, I think the movie, as far as, like, likability, is relying a lot on Reese Witherspoon, because yeah. she is putting in a lot of work here, like in a good way. Like she, she she's like all the likability that could be packed into this film. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> it really should have been her story, honestly. Like if I were to look at it as like a fictional story and not based on people's lives or, or maybe even then, I don't know. I feel like if anything, she should have been the protagonist and it should have been about her meeting this guy. And like, and it kind of was, I mean, to be fair, the movie did focus on her a lot. But it honestly felt more like her story in some ways because she was the one with most of the conflict in regards to the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know, like so much of his conflict is just um, I am addicted t- to drugs, I guess, and this chick keeps turning me down. <laughs> so I don't know. I that about just, sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that sums up the like the middle two thirds of yeah, the movie. So I don't know. I feel like it would have been more interesting if it was just more more completely from her perspective. No, uh, that's something. As I was watching it this time around, I was like, man, the way this movie is dividing its time and portraying their relationship, uh, I, I feel like it might be doing uh, June Carter a disservice. Granted, I know it's based on Johnny's biography so it is uniquely his point or the screenwriter's interpretation of johnny's point of view um Mm -hmm. so i get it but i just i don't know i feel like you they could have done more with june because she is carrying a lot of this film on her shoulders anyway yeah and let's talk about their relationship for a second because i did not buy into this okay because once again because of Joaquin Phoenix, <laughs> every single scene with the two of them, he is being creepy he and creepy. off-putting. Yeah. 
he is unsettling. Right. And then when like he... Like that one part when he's like, put it in your mouth. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> and then like when he's talking to her on the tour bus and telling her to marry him, and she's like, no, what, what is wrong with you? And then the following day, or however long it had been, he proposes to her on stage in front of a bunch of people and like... It's just so uncomfortable because of the look in his eyes at yes, all times. It's just this creep scary. who's like trying, this, this, this yeah, try, this creep trying to force this woman into marrying him. Man, Caleb. right, which is why I'm. What? <laughs> Caleb, one of these days you're gonna be outside walking Apollo. And you're going to see a black van stop in front of you, and Edward Norton and Joaquin Phoenix are going to get out and beat your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they were, nightmare. They probably weigh 200 pounds together soaking wet. I oh think I could God. take them. I mean, they both do have the crazy factor going for them. Yeah, so, little crazy you know. guys in a fight. No, I, would, I wouldn't want that. Yeah, like no. a terrier. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's... I don't even want to say that I don't think they have chemistry. I think they act well with each other, but I just feel like they need a little more, I don't even know how to put it, like cuteness as like a couple or just at least a little more. These are people who like each other or at the very least want to be around each other. I don't know if I really got that. Like, I, I... Right, like the most we get towards the end is like he wakes up from detoxing and she's like, of course I was here. You're my friend. And then, like, that's all we well, that get before he starts. that was a sweet scene, but, yeah, It was. But and then the we're immediately back to like... him being creepy again and yeah. making her uncomfortable. Yeah, I feel like for those scenes, like, the ones, the one where he proposes and it's so long and uncomfortable before yeah. she finally says yes, like, that could have only worked if it was someone who we just were predisposed to be comfortable around and mm-hmm. to like, and it, and it didn't feel so creepy, and it felt more like she really did want to say yes, she was just afraid right. it had to overcome it. But instead, it felt like she was forced to say yes, because, yeah, because she's afraid that if she looking... keeps saying no, this guy's going to murder her. <laughs> I know, and we've bitched about that enough, but I, uh, what, Justin? <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of the, the moments we didn't get are because movies like this in general, uh, but especially this one, do too much, right? Like, if it was focusing on a certain few years of Johnny Cash's career, I feel like we could have got a richer movie for it, but no, it was like, here he is as a small child, and we're going to carry it until yeah. his much later years. And it's just so yeah. much, and that's a downfall of this genre. He has to think about genre. his entire life before he plays. <laughs> the, and there's, a, there's an extended version, I found out, that is 15 minutes longer. But mm-hmm. guess what? I wasn't going to watch that right after watching the, oh. <laughs> the one I just saw. There's probably, like, three extra songs, and, like, that's that's it. I'm about to say it better just be musical numbers, because, like... It's probably damn. all it is. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fine. I I mean, it. Joaquin Phoenix did a fairly good job as, as with the songs. I mean, he's clearly not a bad singer. I think... Obviously, he, he's missing a little bit of that uniquely Johnny Cash spark, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's that's not that bad because you can't expect to directly reproduce that. Um, but, he, I mean, he did a great job with what he could do. And uh, Reese Witherspoon. Got some pipes. Know, I know. Didn't know she could sing, but she did a great job. Uh, um, I really liked her in this movie, which is probably the one saving grace of it. But, <laughs> you know, for... Uh, all of the uh, all of the actors they got to play uh, famous musicians. Um, the guy 
who was playing Elvis, Tyler Hilton. Yeah, Tyler Hilton uh, did great. The guy playing Jerry Lee Lewis was so fun to watch uh, when he was performing. So good on you, yeah, casting director. Yeah, he was good. <laughs> right, and he wasn't even in that much of it, but he he clearly was was having a good time. He did very well. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked his uh, guitarist who had like two lines in the whole movie yeah. and his whole job most of the time was just kind of to stand behind Johnny and look somber. And occasionally <laughs> look like, oh, this shit again. <laughs> oh, yeah, this guy. <laughs> yeah, which I'm sure we can all relate to. <laughs> Would have been um, better if he locked uh, eyes with the camera, broke the fourth wall. Can you yeah. believe what I'm seeing? <laughs> <laughs> just with some real Bugs Bunny stuff. Can you believe this shit? Um, speaking of unlikable characters, I feel like the his first wife was done a bit of a disservice in this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. The way that she's portrayed is just like, hey, can you believe this stuck-up bitch? I mean, he shouldn't be cheating on her, but wow, what a bitch, am I right? Like, boy. She doesn't want to hear rough. about girls trying to fuck me all the time. What a yeah. bitch. <laughs> Yeah, just everything. It was like, you know, those characters in a movie where it's like, you can tell the movie is at this weird place where they're on one level, they're telling you, yes, this character has a good point, but also, uh, aren't they kind of a drag about it? Like, you know what I mean? So, like, the way she was framed was very much that way to me. I, I don't know. I mean, I get it because if you want to be like, rooting for this guy to leave his wife and, you know, <laughs> uh, get with this other chick that he, he, he met, like, you kind of do, I guess, have to make it seem like one is much preferable to the other. It was just, it was just really obvious. <laughs> the, the stuff with June. Okay. Now we're, 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 running into problems with the genre itself here. Yeah. Because the whole will they, won't they dragging out through the entire movie is obnoxious and tired and boring. Yeah. But, like, we couldn't really do it any other way. You know, that's part of the problem with the biopic is we're largely, not entirely, they'll, they'll still take liberties, but we are largely bound by the by reality. Um and so the constant will they won't they the back and forth with him in June got very old after a while. Mm-hmm. Well, it felt um, like not very much changed. I mean, okay, it did. There were steps to it, you know. Like at first, it's like, oh, we're not gonna sleep together, and then they do sleep together. Then she's like, no, I can't do this, and then you know she comes back and helps him through his addiction, but like only as his friend, and like so forth and so on. And then it seems like that he's not gonna ask her to marry him anymore. But psych, he still does. <laughs> like. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it did evolve, and yet it feels like it didn't. Yeah. If that makes sense. It was like a, fl- a switch was just flipped for the convenience of wrapping up the story. Well, that's the thing. I- I'm trying to remember exactly what happens near the end of the movie, but particularly I'm trying to remember what happens in between her pretty definitively turning him down in that conversation on the bus um, and him being like, well, fine, I won't ask you anymore. And then him asking her and her saying yes. Like, I'm trying to remember if There's anything There's, like, literally nothing happens. else. They have a conversation where she's in her dressing room, and she's like, the only time I'm talking to you is on stage. Right, it doesn't and feel then, like anything changed. And then he proposes to her. That's the weird part to me. Like, I don't know what caused that to happen. Like, narratively, I'm, I'm just talking about, like, within the confines of writing a story for a movie, I'm not sure what the 
impetus for that change was. It really does feel like they end. were uh, they were so many pages into the first draft, and they were like, "Oh, we're getting a little long winded here. Just wrap it up. Just wrap it up." Yeah, <laughs> don't do a I rewrite. Wrap it up. <laughs> part of the problem, I think, lies within another aspect of the pacing, and that's the quote unquote bad period lasts way too long. It's most of the movie. Right? Mm-hmm. Every biopic has the part or has the, the, the chapter where the 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 musician gets famous, they get addicted to drugs, they start neglecting their friends and their family and their health, and they go to a bad place. And in this movie, like that's most of the movie. <laughs> it it should still that's be a significant chunk, maybe, but it's most of the movie and at a certain point i'm just like we get it he's addicted to pills move on to the next thing yeah because there's there's very few things uh that are like johnny cash iconography if that's how you even want to say it like you needed to show him passing out on stage and him kicking out the lights that one time and then you would have been like okay yeah we got it check those boxes let's get out of here (laughs) (laughs) right Mm, they never showed elvis shooting a tv that happened a lot. <laughs> what? Then you go shooting TVs with Elvis? Uh, th- uh, just look it up. Elvis used to like to shoot TVs. It was it like he did it once because he was angry, and then he just would keep TVs around because he thought it'd be funny to be like, "Oh, this sucks." <laughs> 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 I mean, he's my man. He's right. That's a great bit to do. With, like... <laughs> just having friends over for dinner. <laughs> Oh, this show sucks. <laughs> oh my god! You know what? <laughs> That is a great bit. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to Gu- ignoring gun safety aside. You know that's that's a great bit. I do that... love that they they found the time to sneak in that Elvis like really loved food. When like he's talking to Elvis after the first time seeing him, and he's like, "You hungry? You want a sandwich? Okay." Like that didn't have to be in there. <laughs> I didn't even know that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. At first, I was like, "Is that?" the elvis what what's happening here i actually didn't know that johnny cash like toured with elvis or oh yeah they had a whatever oh what is the name of that super group he had a super group with like him and jerry lee lewis and i think one or two other people Um, oh well holy shit yeah see yeah i don't i don't was it the traveling wilburys it's not i think is it called (laughs) is it called the highwayman it's something like that not important. This isn't a music show. Look it up. Audience, if you want to know, Spotify's <laughs> yeah, a thing. Know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> huh. Okay, let's see. What else, guys? I was thinking about my feelings on the music biopic as a thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know often they are made with permission from the artist or the artist's estate. Um, but I still can't help but feel like they're a Hollywood gossip column, uh, dressed up as Oscar bait because we're, we're taking these people. I know they're based, you said this movie is based off of two autobiographies, but it's, I still can't help but feel like we're taking the deep, intimate, dark moments of a person's life and like construing them into a screenplay for the purposes of establishing a, con- a, a coherent story and like throwing it all up on the big screen to be like, Ooh, look at his drug problem. Yeah. I don't know. It's still, 
It can feel like I said, exploitative. Yeah. It's it's weird. My I'm not saying they're a bad thing and they shouldn't exist. Um it just feels weird to me. Yeah. It, it's a you Yeah, it, it's it's complex because it's like if okay, if the person themselves is not around to give permission, then it's kind of that weird situation. It's like, well, okay, is it all right if their family gives permission? Is it all right if you do it with, like, empathy and with, like, trying to make them look as good as possible? Like, is it is it okay then? Because even then you still are technically making money off of it and, like, uh, showing, like Caleb said, all their de- deepest, most traumatic uh, uh, personal moments just for people's entertainment. I- I don't know. What were you going to say, Justin? It's interesting because it it is based on those two autobiographies, but what degree uh, have they taken creative license with it? How involved was his estate? Was he ever involved in the process? Uh, I don't know. And then you get movies like uh, like Rocket Man, where Elton John was heavily involved, so that's less weird to me. Yeah, and he's still alive, so... But, like, there was something around this time period, because we got this, Ray, Beyond the Sea, I think a few more, all, like, in the same two, three-year period. I saw one about Richie Valance, but I don't know exactly which year that was from. I don't remember what it was called. And there was one about Buddy Holly, right? Was there? Mm Mm-hmm. That would make sense. It's interesting... It's interesting to me that the concept of the music biopic is such a particular thing, like, even separate from the biopic itself. Like, yeah. it's it almost feels like there are way more music biopics than, like, biopics of other, even forms of, like, entertainers, like, athletes, actors, I don't know, talk show hosts, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> is there a biopic specifically about talk show hosts? I you just made me realize how bad I want Conan O'Brien to star in a ridiculous biopic about himself. That... <laughs> uh... He plays no. himself at every age. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Conan, I will make this movie. Uh, if you're listening, <laughs> and Conan, we know buddy, you are. Come on. Uh, we know. I, we I would Conan say listens. I would say it probably goes musicians, athletes, actors. And then other, <laughs> as far yeah. as <laughs> right? Gandhi, Gandhi got one. Hey. Well, okay, yes. But I was talking about he made the list specifically. <laughs> no, but it's like, so what is it about the music biopic, especially musicians from that particular time period? Because it's. it's... All right, I feel like you both have interesting <laughs> answers to this, so I want to hear both of them. Okay. I was going to say, I think it's it's that particular time period, artists who spun out of, like, the 50s and the 60s, there's this, um, not aura, what's the word I'm looking for? Mystique? Yeah, there's this mystique to them, like, they're these legendary figures, mm-hmm. you know, um, they're, they're paragons of the culture. Yeah. Um, it, I don't, so, I don't know, I don't, you know, a lot of them died young, a lot yeah. of them had, um crazy careers and life stories um they were hugely influential influential on the culture um and you know as years went on and we put out so much more culture the individual person can have less of an impact you know 
Right. Yeah, um, that's exactly that's exactly the point I was going to make is that there's no no one is ever going to be as famous as Elvis and the Beatles were. That's just a fact. You can't do it now. Um, yeah. Because everything yeah. like even people who are huge aren't like your grandma is not keeping statues of Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> well, we don't have the monoculture now that we did at right. the time, uh, yeah. which is part of it. It's like. Back then, even if that wasn't really your thing, you didn't know it wasn't your thing. Or maybe, like, right, right. or you didn't know what was your thing, I guess I should say. Right. The market the is too large now. There are too many options. There's too many subgenres. There's the, the culture is too fractured. Right. Like, think even of the most famous entertainers, like, actors and musicians that you can think of today. And even then, it's still, they don't have quite the stranglehold on the culture that, I guess celebrities at the time did just because there's so many more of them and people's interests are able to be so much more diverse. Yeah. Which is a fantastic thing. No, it's yeah. just, it, it's Definitely. interesting to see like this, this era where it seemed so singular. Uh, right. Something I mean, like off. how many TV channels were there in 1966? Like, <laughs> like your, two. your grandpa, your grandparents <laughs> probably had like five channels, you know? <laughs> There was, like, one or two talk shows where musicians could go on to perform. And, you know, everyone watched those shows because that's all there was. Right. Which is kind of interesting. It's like, if all you have to listen to is this one thing, if if all you have to watch is this thing, like, I I guess it's either start liking it or just be miserable all the time. I don't know. So, I don't know. Get busy consuming or get busy dying. Oh, my God. Thank you, capitalism. Um, yeah, it, it is interesting. I mean, I, I mean, since we're talking about biopics at all this episode, I'll just go on record as to say that I don't like them, and I think they're kind of, I don't know. I think I don't think they're a great, a great concept for a movie. Like, I totally get why people are drawn to them, but I just think that trying to like squeeze a person's life into a something that makes sense for the plot of a movie just doesn't really work because the part of the whole reason uh, for storytelling is that it is artificial and it is kind of constructed in a way into this particular narrative, checking these particular boxes. Like usually, obviously I'm not talking about your avant-garde student film, but usually it follows a particular pattern um, that is more or less replicable between films and across genres. Like, and the thing about biopics is that they are trying to force (laughs) all the experiences of a person's life um, into that pattern because otherwise it does feel slow and anticlimactic. There's, I feel like for for this type of story, I much prefer a documentary. Um, Yeah. Because now a documentary still has to, still wants to attempt to hit specific story beats or emotional beats in the the film. But it feels like, you know, much less so, you know, if if we can't find something super dramatic for this particular for this next segment, you know, we'll we'll work with what we have, you know, or we'll address something off to the side. It's much less necessary to drum up stuff and try to shove things in sequence that weren't necessarily, you know, close to each other for the purposes of story. No, that's that's exactly right. A, a film that is made uh, by a documentarian or a journalist or, or basically anyone who does research professionally uh, for a living is going to give you a much more accurate uh, portrait of the person you're wanting to learn more about than a film like this. A film like this, you're getting 
a strange caricature of the person yes. you're interested in and it might make you go like yeah. man what an interesting life but then that's it you don't really know <laughs> you don't really know more right it just doesn't feel like you're really getting to know that person because it it feels just like a filmmaker's interpretation of them which is mm -hmm. what it is um i don't know and, and I guess, like, I don't really get it on a personal level because so much of what I love about movies is that they are constructs and they are artificial. And they are clearly people saying, I want to tell a story about this particular thing in this particular way. And they're very on the surface about that. Like, I like that personally. Um, and so I guess I don't care for it as much when a movie is like, oh, this really happened. This is all real. Like, I'm simply the messenger. I'm just like, no, just just own it. Just tell a story. But I, I can't say that as universal truth because I know a lot of people do like biopics. I mean, there's a reason they keep making them, you know, so I don't know. Yeah, there's a there's a reason that Bohemian Rhapsody won an Oscar for best editing. <laughs> twitch twitch uh, <laughs> i i have no words uh, i have no words i will i will say this though i saw rocket man and i enjoyed it and i, I didn't think right, i would yeah. but yeah. again the the uh star it is portraying was heavily involved so the narrative is probably almost a hundred percent bias but it's coming from the source so what do you right, expect but that's okay <laughs> like it to me it's more interesting to see a movie that the person was involved in because it's like right. that's still it's about them still like something akin to rocket man is ha not having seen it i would posit is spiritually more akin to just a really long graham norton sequence where <laughs> <laughs> where um oh my god what's his name who rocket man <laughs> Elton John. Where Elton John is just telling <laughs> just a really long sequence where on a talk show where he's telling an entertaining story about his life in showbiz. Yeah. And that's like that. It still retains that kind of real, but also is it kind of quality, but in a way that feels more true because it's the person themselves being like, here is how I see my experience. It still feels more authentic, I guess. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I guess then I guess my final question to pose for the discussion of this film would be since biopics are obviously enduringly popular what do you think it is that people like about them like given we don't seem to very much but they have to be popular for a reason what do you think people are drawn to it's easier okay <clears throat> I think it's it's a combination of multiple things one people are fascinated by celebrity Mm -hmm. Well, yes. <laughs> uh, we always have been. We always will be. Two, it's easier to watch a movie than to read an autobiography. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Three, lots of people are biased against documentary. So, uh, but documentaries uh, rule. People think they're boring because it's like watching an autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who has made a documentary, yeah, those people can go yeah. fuck themselves. <laughs> Uh, no, I think documentaries are one of the best forms of art that we have. I I don't know. I just saying. It's also obsession with celebrity. Yes. Uh, rather watch a movie than read a book or read a Wikipedia page. Yes, <laughs> and it's just it, it, these movies tug on nostalgia and heartstrings and the legends of these people so much, and people who love 
uh, these musicians want to feel some sort of closeness to them, and they're like, the records aren't doing it anymore, so give me this fictionalized version so I can be like, wow, I really know them as a person, and now they're on my bookshelf, and I can watch them every day. (laughs) I, yeah, I guess that makes sense, and maybe that's part of why so many biopics, like, lean so hard on, like, the really dark and really low periods of people's lives, because it gives you a sense of I don't know, a sense of deep understanding of them, I guess. I mean, regardless of how genuine that might be, Mm -hmm. I I mean, if you see someone at their lowest, even if it's through the medium of film, you feel like you do know them. Um, And maybe that's what it is. You see them on TV, you see them at their highest. You see them in a biopic, you see them at their lowest. And in between those two things, you know them. And it also has to be a little bit of, like, uh, you see someone, like, let's just we're talking about the movie let's use johnny cash you're like man if someone like johnny cash can get this low and be as big and successful as he was i can make it through my nine to five yeah (laughs) people like those little bumps of hope yeah and i mean at the end of the day we all have to do what we can to survive under the soul-crushing weight of late capitalism so i mean if biopics are how you you get through it then i mean knock yourself out man walk walk the line i I don't know (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, anything else about Walk the Line? I think I have said all I ever have to say or want to say about Walk the Line. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. All right. So, uh, before we we hit the break, I do want to say I'm me, so I did the research for you, audience. Uh, the super group he was in with Elvis was called the Million Dollar Quartet with Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins, Elvis, and Johnny Cash. The Highwaymen, which I referenced earlier, is Chris Christopherson, Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, and Willie Nelson. All right. Now, <laughs> who the fuck is Carl Perkins? Uh, a old... <laughs> that was the only name there I didn't recognize. Artist. <laughs> also, why was Waylon Jennings even a character in this movie? Played by his son. That's yes, Shooter Genix. Uh, they, it's um, just the group scene. that was around. They were all around each other coming up at the same time. Um, hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right. That's it the for Walk the know. Line. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Hi, everyone. Justin here. Thank you so much for checking out our show. You may notice some audio issues during these early episodes as we're recording them in separate locations during quarantine. It is our intention to record in person once it's safe, but for now, we work with what we have. Please follow the recommended guidelines, wear your masks, stay safe, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome back to Sounds Familiar. I hope you ladies and gentlemen are ready to walk hard. Long. Long. Hard. <laughs> Down life's rocky road. Uh this yeah, this Look, I the whole reason I watched this movie was because Patrick Willems put out a video uh, about so the music biopic, which I will include in the description. And he specifically called out Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story as the best music biopic. <laughs> and, like, the best parody of... I, I, And I watched it. And look, this movie is far funnier than it has any right to be. It is mm-hmm. the most 
accurate parody I have ever seen. <laughs> yes, it really is like a synthesis of all the big biopics, like the big music biopics, especially from that particular time period that we were talking about in the last segment. Um, <laughs> it like it's most clearly based off Walk the Line, obviously, even by yes. the title. Uh, and like down to very specific plot. Beats, <laughs> very, the entire first like half hour of the movie is almost the same as yep. Walk the Line. Yep. We start at the modern day concert, and like he's he's being somber, and the stage manager is coming like looking for him, and he's reminiscing <laughs> about something, which is where we get the Dewey Cox has to think about his entire life before he goes on stage. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's exactly what Walk the Line does, and yep. I would posit that other music biopics oh, also do the certainly. same. I mean, it makes sense as a framing device, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It does. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's funny, they tie it up in an even nicer bow, because the song he's about to perform is literally an explicit summary of his entire life up to that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it only makes sense that he would think about it all beforehand, yes. you know? Um, he was born in a small town in the South. Um, he had an older brother he looked up to. The older brother died in a horrible accident. He was, he was halved (laughs) in a freak machete fight accident. (laughs) And his dad is angry because... The wrong kid died. Which he says <laughs> which, which so the dad, many times. The dad explicitly says in Walk the Line once. Oh my God, he yeah. literally says the wrong kid died. Right. It's funny because he doesn't actually say it a million times in Walk the Line, but the whole the idea is so Every line that, is delivered yeah. with the implication of the wrong kid yes, died. Yes, <laughs> which is why Walk Hard just kind of takes it around. Oh, with his it. older brother was such a good boy. He was going to be a preacher. <laughs> Um, sorry, I've, I've, I've crossed lines and instead of uh, just reciting walk hard, I've, I've crossed back into, um, mocking Johnny Cash's actual life story. Um, (laughs) the wires got crossed there. I I would like to apologize. Uh Um, yeah. Johnny Cash for the record did not kill his brother in a machete fight. Right. Right. Um, so we have a time skip where... Adult John C. Riley is playing a fourteen-year-old, which is <laughs> a bit like, making fun so of the fact yeah. that, that it's so funny. There's my fourteen-year-old son. <laughs> um, that I'm your twelve-year-old girlfriend. <laughs> you hear that? I'm Dewey's twelve-year-old Kristen Wiig <laughs> does a great so job good. in this. Um, so she plays Dewey's first wife, mm-hmm. who is what was her name? Viv. In the first, in Walk the Line, yeah, or I, whatever. Um, and the Kristen Wiig's uh, portrayal is so much more sympathetic than the other. One. <laughs> she or is allowed to be so much more sympathetic. So oddly enough, we were talking about how the fir- the character of the first wife in the first one was very much like, um, what Stephanie was saying about how yeah you understand why she's upset, but boy what a what a drag <laughs> am I right? And yeah. Kristen Wiig chews into that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and she's always got like three babies. Yes, yeah, so she's, she's constantly <laughs> holding more children. Um, I love the the when she first tells Dewey that she doesn't believe in his dream. Um, and 
Okay, he has the fun, the great line. I'm, I'm think I'm doing pretty well for a 15 year old with a wife and a kid. Um, <laughs> the sequence where she says, "What about my dreams?" and he says, "I, I can't build you a candy house, Edith. <laughs> it won't work." It would well, if it never rains. <laughs> yes, that whole sequence right there sounds exactly like a bad lip reading sequence. Like her delivery of it. Well, if it never rains, it sounds exactly like something from a bad lip reading video. Um, oh which that is something I will say about this movie. It still does fall victims to some of my less favorite things in modern comedies and some of the lines just feeling like ad libbed bad SNL. Um, which it very much feels like an SNL movie. Right. I mean, we've One got numerous ones, cameos but, yeah. from famous comedians of the time, mm-hmm. um, which of course we're going to do that in, in an American comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of cameos, Okay, so Walk the Line has all of those quote-unquote celebrity cameo characters like Elvis Presley. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love the way Walk Hard does this, where they're just so overt and explicit about it. (laughs) Where, like, when Dewey Cox is talking to Buddy Holly, played by Frankie Muniz, and every line they deliver, he's like, Wow, thanks, Buddy Holly. I think you might be right. (laughs) He's like, You know I am, or my name isn't Buddy Holly. You know, stuff like that, where they're just constantly saying his name to remind the audience that, Hey, this is Buddy Holly. My my favorite favorite. outside of maybe uh, the Beatles. In the movie. I know what your of favorite course, is. Of course, Jack White is, uh, as uh, Elvis. <laughs> right. <laughs> Great job delivering so... a late Elvis. You know, like, there's only two, two people know kung fu. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the Chinese and the king, and I'm one of them. <laughs> one of them is me. You know? <laughs> Watch out, man. You know? <laughs> Jack White as Elvis. Watch out, man. <laughs> <laughs> This is this, this is gonna be a horrible segment. It's literally just us reciting yeah, jokes from Walk Hard. Just um, watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. I, watch the movie. While we're doing that, the Beatles sequence. Yep. yep. I love oh, the Beatles great. sequence. It's hilarious. It's just. Fu- I love Paul Rudd's John Lennon. The way he moves his mouth way too much with every yeah. word. There's just, there's just too much movement going on there for the amount of syllables. Yeah. So, they're all great, but when Dewey is coming out of his trip and they ask if he wants to do it again, Jason Schwartzman <laughs> popping in sideways. sideways. <laughs> <laughs> How did they do that? There's so many little jokes in that <laughs> sequence. Um, the, I wonder if your songs will still be shit when I'm 64. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Beatles, please do not be fighting here in India. <laughs> <laughs> that would kill me. <laughs> Paul's <laughs> mm, a big great cunt. <laughs> like, um, just the wow. It seems like there's really a rift growing between the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> um, the when he's convincing his wife to let him do acid, he's like, "Okay, if it's just this once, let's go drop acid with the Beatles." <laughs> hey, Dewey, we're the trippy cartoon Beatles yeah. with the fake yellow submarine. Uh, um, style. Oh no, it's a bad trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the attitude I'm gonna go in with next time I'm on psych- psychedelics. If things start going south, I'm just gonna go. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad trip. <laughs> I love Justin Long's George Harrison. He's so quiet. I mean, yeah. he literally says, oh, "I'm the quiet one." Yeah, <laughs> Jack Black is pulling. Like, well, if you're the quiet one, why don't you shut the fuck up? <laughs> um, 
I just sit here while my guitar quietly whimpers. Um, okay. I wrote a song it's, about yeah, an octopus. I wrote a song about an octopus. Let you play drums. <laughs> let's, let's jump oh. off of that train for okay, a moment. Okay, sorry. sorry. No, no, you're good. Um, you're good. I would like to take a second to read you and our audience a quote from the Wikipedia article about the soundtrack to this movie. Mm, Go for it. A number of critics noted the unusually high quality of many of the individual songs on the soundtrack, how well they reflected the styles and times they were attempting to spoof, and how well they stood on their own as quality compositions. The soundtrack was nominated for both a Grammy and Golden Globe Award and was nominated and won the Sierra Award for Best Song in a Motion Picture from the Las Vegas Film Critics Society. I mean... so They did a uh, great job jumping through the, the decades with this. So, uh, just, just on the subject of the soundtrack, uh, I own a 7-inch uh, record uh, of John C. Riley and Becky Stark... Uh, that uh jack white's more crossover uh record yeah. label put out uh wow. and it is like it is an old timey like country sounding duet and it fucking slaps i uh, bet if you, if you want to hear john c Riley making non-comedy music one watch the uh, chicago two yes yes uh listen to i'll be there by becky and john all right. No, John C. Riley is actually a great singer. He is like, great in Chicago. Yeah. He delivers a fantastic so performance. Oh, God. I can't wait to talk about Chicago on here. Hopefully, we do that during Musical Month. Uh, but oh, yeah. Spoiler alert we're having a Musical Month. Oh, 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 <laughs> Stephanie. <laughs> way to tip the bean can. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, it's good to get people hype. <laughs> At least those of them who love musicals. The others are going to be like, Ugh, a whole month of this shit. But um, John C. Riley is so good in Chicago, playing one of like the only sympathetic characters, <laughs> uh, and he he really is. And um, yeah, and he actually like you can tell he's actually singing all the songs here, which I mean, Joaquin Phoenix also was, <laughs> just to be clear. But no, he 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 really does very well. Mm. Didn't you say that Jenna Fisher didn't? Jenna sing Fisher hers? did not. Okay, interesting. I mean, I would have believed it if she did. It sounded similar enough to her speaking voice, I mm-hmm. guess. But, yeah. If you'll give me a moment, uh, I'll credit the actual artist. Mm. Angela was... Correa. Thank you, Justin. C-O-R-R-E-A. Hmm, okay. Thank you. Probably Correa? No, what what made me Google it was uh, the first time they sing together, um, and her voice was just suddenly so much deeper and so, so much more husky. I was like, ooh. And I was <laughs> like, that sounds really fairly different from her speaking voice. Um <laughs> But it sounds similar enough. You know, I honestly, I, I mean, just on the subject of biopics in general, like especially ones that are about music biopics, I actually don't always care for the push to have the actor also do the singing. Mm. Like, it's great if they really can, like John C. Riley obviously can, but like I don't feel that it's necessary. Like, I feel like there's always this stuff about like if an actor is playing like a singer – 
then there's all this stuff about like, oh, they have to sing. And sometimes, like sometimes it works and sometimes you're like, why don't you just hire a singer? Yeah. And it's like, I feel like that's not really that necessary. I mean, we have singers the same reason we have like stunt doubles and stuff. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just saying like some people are multi-talented. Others are just mainly good in one area and that's okay. Like... <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like no, that should fair. be a more a more accepted thing, you know? Like, the, the same person doing the acting doesn't necessarily have to do the singing. That's not actually that important. Yeah. But... I agree. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that... So much of, like, the way movies are made now is so banked on star power or, like, on this actor did the, all this stuff or, like this actor like improvised half their lines and it's like, but we don't need that. Do we, we just need them to act. Like, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, oh, I'm sorry. Actor. <laughs> actor. Um, that's, a, that's a separate rant, but everyone does great here to be fair. Let's talk about Tim Meadows. <laughs> I love him. Tim, Tim Meadows running, running gag in this movie <laughs> is great. His role as he's the drummer in Dewey's band but every time Dewey walks into a bathroom, <laughs> Tim Meadows is there doing a different drug to t- and telling Dewey, you walk away, Dewey, you don't want no part of this shit. <laughs> it's, and every time he's like, I kind of do. do. <laughs> it's the cheapest drug there is. God, There's no he... hangover. It's not <laughs> habit form. It's the cheapest drug there. Is. It makes sex even better. <laughs> and the, the, the what are you guys doing? We're popping pills, uppers and downers. Why? It's the next logical part of your progression of your story. I um, love uh, when they're later in the movie when the band is like breaking up with him and everyone's like listing these legitimate reasons. Uh, and every time it comes to Tim Meadows, it's, you never paid for drugs. Not, Not once. Even, okay, <laughs> Not I have to know, that felt so, like, so deliberate. It felt like it was referencing something, but I feel like I don't know what it was referencing. Unless maybe it wasn't, and it, that was just the joke. Do you mean, was like, that a was... specific breakup of a band? Or, or yeah, or something that happened in a different biopic. Ah, well, if or that specific it... scene, if it was referencing a specific scene in another biopic, I don't know what it is. I know that entire sequence was, you know, built around the whole summer of love. Um, you know, uh, both Brian Wilson uh, with Beach Boys and, like, Paul McCartney with the Beatles, both trying to produce their own, like, highly... Um, experimental albums mm. and like trying to push art while everyone around them is like can we stop can like can we just make some music like i remember reading um an interview with ringo star like someone asked him if what he remembered um from recording sergeant pepper's only hearts club band and all he had to say was he read a lot of books <laughs> because, <laughs> you know because paul was just doing his own stuff most of the time so yeah that period in music was tough for new for multiple bands so that was strong the joke about people. him like trying to cram all this stuff into this right song. the joke was he he was pulling a brian wilson basically mm. and the beach boys yeah. were like why can't we make beach boys music and brian wilson's like you don't understand uh <laughs> this is art it, it's a, it. so that is worth noting like obviously johnny cash uh is there but there's also there's a period where he's uh a bob dylan stand-in there's that period <laughs> where he's a brian wilson stand-in yeah. he represents so many different people like the first half of the yeah. movie seems very specifically uh, johnny a johnny cash 
uh, and other rockabilly artists, but then it just goes wild. <laughs> yes. In the yep. right. See, Walk the Line ends at the Folsom Prison um, performance. Mm-hmm. Or where is... close to it. It ends after he asks her to marry him. The Folsom Prison performance was after they got married. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Never mind. Okay. Folsom Prison is close to the end. Okay. Um, it's, you're right. That's the show they're leaving on in like on the bus when he starts badgering her to marry him before yeah. he asks her on stage yeah. the next night. Gotcha. Um, and but Walk Hard goes all the way up to the modern day with like a 71 year old Dewey Cox. Um, <laughs> so that's where it does get to explore a lot of other music biopics is by jumping through the decades and parodying other artists. Um, I love the Bob Dylan segment. It's only a single scene. Mm-hmm. And his bandmates are like, what is this about? And Tim Meadows is like, you guys are idiots. This song is very <laughs> deep. <laughs> yeah, and he definitely was nailing the Bob Dylan cadence. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the scene where he's talking to Jenna Fisher. Um, she's like, the 60s are a very important and exciting <laughs> time. And he says, there's something going on here that ain't exactly obvious. <laughs> <laughs> directly like referencing um for what it's worth yeah um it's just so that, on the nose the way that when he was playing that protest music i was like man this slap said that i was like wait this isn't a real song and he's talking about midgets <laughs> let me hold you little man oh, oh i'm i'm not going to comment on Either the sequence where he is playing in a predominantly black nightclub, or the fact that um, Hasidic Jews run the music business. I'm, I am going to say I'm always a fan of Martin Starr, though I feel like he phoned it in a little here. Not that he had much to do. Um, I love Harold Ramis. You know who Martin mm-hmm. Starr is. You love him. He's the Snow Globe Museum guy from Parks and Rec. Right. I barely recognized him. Um, I lo- Harold Ramis. I love him in this. Um, mm-hmm. I love the sequence where Johnny's in jail and they're talking in German. And he's like, Rehab? Rehab? Uh, rehab? Oh, Rehab! Yeah! <laughs> um, <laughs> right, and that Dewey apparently just knows fluent German, though. Right, like... Dewey knows German. Um, I love the sequence with, oh, what's his name? I'm going back to TV show references because I don't remember his name. The Seize the Day guy from Community. Oh, I don't know his name. Justin, oh, you know his name. man. Uh, uh, I, I don't. I know his okay, face. Okay, that's fine. Well, he's, like, the music producer. That scene, um, obviously a one-to-one with the Johnny Cash playing yes. uh, gospel and the uh, DJ, or the, oh, yeah. not the DJ, the, uh, the record the, producer not liking yeah. it. Uh, this scene is also parodied very, very strangely and hysterically, and I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Uh, and if you just, you don't have to watch that entire sketch show, I recommend it. The entire show is only 90 minutes. Uh, but just look up, uh, Bones from I Think You Should Leave and laugh. (laughs) Is I Think You Should Leave the one with we're all looking for the guy who did this? Yes. Okay. It's a fantastic sketch show. (laughs) I showed that sequence and that sequence only to Stephanie just because she was wondering where the meme came from. Right. (laughs) Uh, But the uh, two scenes I want to talk about, the nightclub scene, I don't want to get into the race relations in that scene, (laughs) but I do love 
I do love the repetition of people come here to dance erotically. <laughs> I love and boy, that do so they! Yeah. Boy, do they! The choreography is very good for them. <laughs> well, it feels uh, like the and... natural progression of when they start dancing during his like school performance, and it's like it's yeah. silly because it's like they're just saying, "Oh, I want to hold hands." I know like, the school performance is a funny dance because it's yeah. just a, it turns into a fist fight between yeah. <laughs> like there's old that guys was the other scene. Up teenagers. That was the other scene I wanted to talk about. Again, I grew up in Southport, Florida. It does not take much for a bunch of rednecks to think it's devil music and start fighting people. Oh my god. <laughs> you know who's got hands? The devil. <laughs> and he uses them for holding. I love those scenes. Jesus, I know. I mean, yeah, honestly, wouldn't put it past some of the people around here. <laughs> I don't know. Do we? We need. <laughs> Dad, if you have something to say about this movie that isn't just repeating your, one of your favorite yeah. jokes. <laughs> Crickets. That's it's. <laughs> no. no uh, okay. It, so so here's the deal. Here's the deal. We talked about the the format so much uh, before the break um, that now we are just talking about a direct parody of it so without going through a movie that goes through very similar beats as the one we just did uh we're really just talking about what we liked about it that made fun of the genre that we're speaking of so i think yeah. we're fine <laughs> yeah that i mean and i mean well that's what the entire movie is structured around so in a way it's kind of difficult to pinpoint it but it's like you can you can pick out certain points where it's like okay this is very obviously satirizing something, um, like especially when it has like it hits all the beats of like getting discovered you know touring around with famous people going to rehab, uh, getting your life together all yeah. that kind of stuff. Come back tour et cetera et cetera. Yeah. When uh, when Darlene goes to see Dewey in rehab and they're like uh starting to bang but like also choking and slapping each other right. and the entire thing. i was like that sums absolute... up that re- how that yep. relationship is yep. portrayed they're making so out well the crap out of each other at the same time <laughs> so after funny. spending like a solid minute going back and forth at, like <laughs> about to kiss just like breathing in each other's mouths yeah. I love uh, when they first meet after their first show. She kisses him, slaps him, says, I can't, kisses him again, then slaps him. <laughs> so, because that's exactly, like, that's the that's the trope of Walk the Line, right? That is exactly how Johnny and June's relationship is portrayed in yes. the yes. entire movie. Yes. <laughs> right, and it's exhausting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But see, this one's funny because it's like it actually feels less boring because I don't know the ups and downs feel a lot more. I don't know extreme maybe or I don't know. <laughs> well, but I mean that makes sense because it's a parody. But it's like you know they're like 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 the part where they get married and like. <laughs> And they're gonna bang it out, and then his wife shows up. It's like, what? It, no, it does. <laughs> we were talking about this when we were watching Walk the Line, and that so walk hard. There's a joke about he can't get married twice, yeah. but in Walk the Line, when he marries June, it is 
never explicitly stated that he is divorced from his previous wife. <laughs> right. Yeah, which... You're supposed to just to assume it at that point. <laughs> yeah. Which must be what Walk the Line was making a joke about, was how that was never actually, like... Addressed? Yeah. Like, you can't get married twice, do we? Was it also ever addressed, like, whether his relationship ended up happening with his children, like, from his first marriage? I never... Like, at the very end, there's a sequence with, like, quote-unquote his kids, but I was unable to tell if they were his kids or June's kids. I, I think we're supposed to assume... Just singularly based on the fact that they are interacting with their biological grandfather is what the assumption read there. So, hmm. who knows? Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's also kind of being satirized and walk the line when he has like a million kids, like from all these different women. Yes. <laughs> I got 22 brothers and sisters and 14 half brothers and sisters. Wait, if he has 22 <laughs> brothers and sisters, then that means... He had 22 kids with the same woman. 23. <laughs> you're, you're right, you're right, Matt. <laughs> How do you even... What? Well, I, no, it is it is shown in Walk Hard, uh, not so much Walk the Line, that Dewey did have other partners outside of his uh, two wives. There's that scene where that girl's like on him and he's like, oh, I forgot you were here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Stephanie, the, right, the I, kid says that he has 22 brothers and sisters, meaning that he had 23 kids with the same woman. Right, he differen- then- the kid differentiates that from his half-brothers and sisters. Like, he's like, oh, I that's right. 22 that's right. brothers and sisters and 14 half-brothers and sisters. And I was like, whoa, back up. <laughs> like, if yeah, you so- had... Poor Edith. Right. If you My had... brain failed me there for a second. I, I didn't understand I, that at all. The, the, the sequence where she, there's like three kids in a crib and she's holding two babies. And he's like, I'm, sweetheart, I'm, I'm going to miss some things. I'm going to miss some christenings. I'm going to miss some birthdays. I, I'm probably going to miss some births, okay? Like... I, I love when they're when they're splitting up before the monkey line that I said at the beginning. I love it. like, I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't need you. It goes on for so long. It's just saying it to each, like, baby. <laughs> I, I don't need you. You need me. You're just a baby. <laughs> I love the, I love the giraffe. Um, or the, the, another sequence that feels ad-libbed is when he's like, what do you want? I got you your, your fancy dresses. You, uh, you got a monkey? You got a giraffe? What, what do you want me to get you, huh? A, a crow that can talk? <laughs> and I'll teach you to say things that I say? Like, good morning, honey. <laughs> I, oh, uh, the so Johnny Cash rips out a single sink and walk the line. Um, Dewey Cox rips out many sinks. There's a scene at the very end that feels almost like a blooper reel um, where he there's an entire line of sinks and he rips them out one by one. <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, it's just basically taking stuff that happens in walk the line and just running with it yeah and probably stuff from other biopics that i haven't seen right so i can't really make a judgment on that i don't know the stuff in the latter half of the movie feels like stuff not from walk the line so i'm not all i'm not very much sure what it is like what it's yeah, from, uh, but i'm sure it's from something I'm not sure if it's from a different movie or if at that point um, they wanted to do something that a lot of biopics don't and organically wrap up the story that they established. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Excellent point. Another thought I had. So, Walk the Line is very guilty of dropping lines 
and then it's like oh, that's where the that's why they got the inspiration the to write the song yeah. called that same thing. Yeah. And Walk Hard very deliberately parodies that. Um, he says like he says guilty as charged, and then he sings it, and she's like, "Don't you dare write a song right now." <laughs> and then he does. Um, like, yeah, cause like, like, like the moment when in walk the line, when June Carter says, you can't walk no line feels so artificial. Uh, who talks like that? Who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> People don't talk that way. I mean, um, I don't know. I maybe like they did. Walking a line, like, as in, like, when you're drunk and, like, you're, you have to, like, walk straight to prove that you're sober. I feel like that could be a way that people maybe. would say it in the 50s or 60s. Maybe. But just but, imagine you were pissed off or so disappointed at someone. You're not going to be like, what is this? Hold on, let me put this metaphor together. You can't walk no line. <laughs> you're just going to say, know. no, fuck you. <laughs> I, yes, it, it does read pretty artificial. I, I don't think it's entirely outside the realm of possibility, but yes. I, I, I need to know. Audience, let us know. Is that in the autobiography anywhere? Uh, good <laughs> or is question. that completely fabricated? Let us know. Good question. Yeah, and also the part where June is like, it burns, and she like says it to herself, and I it was burns, like... It burns, it burns, it burns over and over again. Yeah, and I was like, I would believe this more if she said it to someone else. It doesn't feel like something someone would say to themselves. Yeah. I don't know, but that's... I agree. That doesn't really matter. I was thinking that also. Netflix. I also didn't know that June Carter wrote Ring of Fire. Good on you. I didn't either, you. which, yeah, I feel like... I don't know that much, or I didn't know that much about June Carter before I saw this, and I feel kind of bad about that, like, oh, <laughs> behind every man, so forth and so on. Um, but, but, it was me, yeah. smiling and taking partial yeah. credit. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I, I do like that it kind of gave part of her perspective of walk the line, not walk hard. I mean, that's, I guess walk hard also kind of did. I think that's all I have to say about Walk Hard. We've I've spent enough time sitting here spewing lines in the movie at our yeah, listeners. That's that's most of like what if this my was. enthusiasm for Walk the Line versus my enthusiasm versus Walk Hard has not been enough to convince you of my opinions on these two movies. Watch them for yourselves, I guess. Some concepts are just better in parody form because they mm-hmm. weren't that good to begin with. Oh. So. Uh, but yeah, uh, Justin, do you have anything else? No, again, I just I I feel like anything else we say is just gonna be further driving home points you've already made, or just jerking this movie off. All right, so without further gilding the lily, <laughs> yeah. My name's Caleb. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at actual underscore Caleb. My name's Stephanie. You can find me at Steph has no name on Twitter and Ray's left boob on Letterboxd. I'm Justin. You can find me on most social media at Blame It On Butler. You can find the show on Twitter at Sounds Familiar. All right. Good night, y'all. Thank you for listening. Good night, everybody. In my dreams, you're blowing me. Kisses. <laughs> you know what? Last thought. I did. <laughs> that was also a direct parody of Walk the Line because the first duet that yep. Johnny and June sing yep. is is. Oh gosh! Suggestive, and, and she's like, "I can't do that. It's inappropriate." Yeah, <laughs> I wrote it with my ex-husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. That's really it. Good night, everybody. All right. (laughs) Bye, y'all. Love ya. Thank you so much for listening to our show. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at SoundsFamiliar. If you'd like to get in contact with us, drop us a line at SoundsFamiliar at gmail.com. We'd like to thank our friend Chelsea for our logo. Be sure to check her out on Instagram at ChelseaBHDesigns. We'd also like to thank Shane Quick for our theme music. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. We'll see you next time on Sounds Familiar.